From the great state of Ohio, Buckeye Firearms Association presents Keep and Bear Radio, fighting for Second Amendment rights, calling out media lies, and telling the gun grabbers to come and take it. Now, Keep and Bear Radio. If you're frustrated with government, you're not alone. Sometimes, it seems as if all government can do is take your money and spend it on stuff you don't want. But here in Ohio, there's a division of government that is largely self-funding, dedicated to the Second Amendment, and focused on making sure you can shoot, hunt, fish, and enjoy the outdoors. It's called the Division of Wildlife, and that's what we're going to talk about on this episode of Keep and Bear Radio. I'm Dean Reek, Executive Director of Buckeye Firearms Association, and I'm joined by Kendra Wecker, Chief of the Division of Wildlife. Hi, Kendra. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Dean. Thanks for having me on here. Kendra, I've been wanting to talk to you on this podcast for maybe a year or more, but for whatever reason, it just never worked out. I was starting to think maybe you were dodging me or something. Oh, not at all. Not at all. (laughs) Well, I'm glad we finally made it happen. I know that you're really busy. And one of the things we've never talked about on the podcast is the Division of Wildlife. And I thought we really should because it plays such an important role in shooting and hunting here in Ohio. So that kind of begs the first question, since you're the chief of the Division of Wildlife, tell us what the Division of Wildlife is and what it does. Sure, Dean. So the Division of Wildlife here in Ohio is the state agency responsible for Ohio's native wildlife. And we are here to maintain the health of the wildlife, strong, healthy populations, as well as provide opportunities to enjoy wildlife. And that can be, you know, hunting, fishing, trapping, bird watching, uh, nature photography, nature photography, however people like to enjoy wildlife. Um, So that is our main purpose. We manage the wildlife, the habitat, and then the people who enjoy them. And probably the most challenging is the people who enjoy them. (laughs) But uh, we have five primary sections. Uh, The most familiar one people uh, see are the law enforcement, uh, which are the wildlife officers. We have one wildlife officer per county. And then we have different sections for fish management, wildlife management, information education, and then, of course, the business section, which helps us purchase and um, take care of those kinds of administrative rules and purchasing rules. So we have about, uh, right now, we're about 400 employees statewide. Uh, We do have one wildlife officer per county, and um, they have a lot to do. Obviously, it's one enforcement officer per county. So we do work quite frequently with the sheriff's office and other law enforcement agencies uh, when needed. And so you guys not only are managing wildlife, but you do, you had said you do a lot of information and education, like hunter ed classes, and you've got a magazine, a really great magazine, Wild Ohio Magazine, which you can get by subscription. I mean, talk about the educational kind of stuff you do, especially with, you know, hunting and shooting. Sure. So we do provide um, hunter education. Anybody that wants to hunt in the state um, needs to be certified, um, you know, safe for hunter education. Safety is primary um, to us, making sure that our our people are going to be safe out in the field. And then, um, you know, it spans all the way to uh, wildlife education for the general public. So we make sure that, you know, 
We're talking about all aspects of wildlife, what they're seeing in their backyard, answering their questions when they find something that may be orphaned or injured and, you know, what they should do. Um, Most of the time it's leave it alone, but sometimes, you know, human intervention can assist. So we are there to educate the public um, in a wide variety of things from hunter education all the way to the general uh, wildlife education. And we have a number of staff across the state who participate in that. We provide courses. We teach people how to process their own deer, how to can the meat, how to cook fish, a variety of things. So uh, we are here to help the public in any way they want to experience wildlife. Now, I'm going to ask you to plug the website later on, but this is a good time to do it right now, too. How can people find out about some of those classes? Sure. So wildohio.gov is our website. We also are online with Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram. And of course, you can always call us at 1-800-WILDLIFE. We have a customer care center where people people answer the phone. On our website, we have a calendar of events, and you can look through that by uh, county or month and identify different programs you might be interested in, sign up through the website. Now, those classes, are those paid classes? Uh, Is there a fee associated? Um, our classes are generally free, um, but we do require reservations so that we have a headcount and we know that we don't exceed, you know, the capacity uh, for the instructor. So someone could sign up for hunter ed or what? Are, you do some archery classes and things like mm-hmm. that, and most of those you're saying are are actually free. Yep, there are. Yes, we have fishing um, courses sometimes even. Um, again, how to process a deer or, you know, different cooking classes. So it's a ver- the variety of things in the outdoor skills world is what we call it. And um, some of them are seasonal. So they're only offered in the fall or maybe the spring. So it's best to just check the calendar. And again, if you have any trouble or you're not sure where to find them, call us at 1-800-WILDLIFE. Now you guys, as far as wildlife management, I just want to get a sense for the scope of what you do. This is throughout Ohio. And according to the website, you're managing something like 750,000 acres of wildlife lands, 7,000 miles of stream, um, 2 million acres of water. I mean, you guys have a lot to do. (laughs) Uh, We certainly do. Um, So, you know, our staff are well-trained to work on the different areas, to manage the properties. We also do some of this through contract work. And then we also have great partnerships. But again, the management plans are designed by the Division of Wildlife staff, which include biologists who are, you know, specially trained in how to manage wildlife, um, how to manipulate the habitat uh, to improve it for wildlife. And then for our fisheries, um, we have very well-trained staff who are educated in fisheries management um, from inland fish uh, lakes to Lake Erie into the higher river. So there are definitely a variety of specialties and we have very dedicated staff. We have one of the lowest turnovers in state government. Our employees like to work for the division of wildlife. It's a passion. We almost all hunt fish, trap, bird watch. We participate in, in what we manage. So our people are very connected to what they do. Well, you get to get outside a lot, right? I mean, this is not just a desk job. Absolutely. <laughs> we certainly are tied to computers at times to manage the data and and to run algorithms and things like that. But uh, yes, all of our staff get outside and try to, you know, either if they're working in the field, um, at least like even the business staff, we try to get them out and have field experiences. 
so they they can understand why we need the four-wheel drive trucks that we have because our wildlife areas are rough and rugged. It's not just smooth paved areas. So yeah, being outdoors is is a primary core value to us. Now you talked about having biologists on staff. There's a lot of science stuff that you guys do, right? I mean, this is uh, it's not just outdoorsy sort of things. You're actually doing studies and surveys and, and all of this. Can you describe some of the science that goes into wildlife management? Sure. So we have different times of the year, different seasonal points. We have data collection. So we could be doing call count surveys where we're listening to for animals to make sounds and identify how many there are. This factors into our population modeling. And so we know either if our populations are going up or down. Generally, it's very difficult to say exactly how many of an animal you have. So people always want to know, you know, how many deer do you have in the state? Well, we don't know the exact number, but we follow the data trends and we can tell if the population is going up or down depending on the different science methods that we have. Um, We have bow hunter surveys where we collect data from people in the field who are out, you know, in the woods and they give us their observations for the year. We do online surveys. We have different methods that we email people and get information that way. We ask questions as well as we do contract some of our research out with our universities so that we have that third party unbiased aspect of the research, giving us data that we can utilize to make our decisions. So we always want to use science to make our decisions. And then we also want to, you know, work with the public to make sure we're taking their input um, to help us make our decisions. So I assume you're working with Ohio State University. I'm sorry, the Ohio State University, because don't they have a big, uh, I don't know if it's called a wildlife program, but they do a lot of that, that sort of stuff. Where are your employees coming from and what kind of education do they have to do these sort of jobs? Sure. So we do work with um, the Ohio State University. We have several uh, research programs with them, uh, the Aquatic Ecology Lab, there's a terrestrial lab, and then there's the Ohio Biodiversity Conservation Partnership, which focuses on diversity species. And those are the species we don't hunt, fish, or trap. So think bald eagles or ospreys. But we also work with many of the universities in the state, depending on the different expertise at the universities or the geographical location. For example, Bowling Green right now is conducting a lot of the research for the um, H2 Ohio program, which is the uh, program to clean water up in the Lake Erie. So we work with a lot of universities um, and then our, our staff come from all over. I mean, a lot of them are Ohio born and bred, um, but we do have staff that have been educated or lived out of state. You know, but we do look for folks that are, you know, have degrees, um, depending on what the job duties are. Um, they could have a, uh, an associates, a bachelor's, a master's, and we also have uh, a number of PhDs on staff. So it depends on what the job duty is and what the educational requirements are. And then again, so many of them have just great field experience and field knowledge, um, especially if they grew up in the outdoors, if they've been, you know, shooting, hunting, fishing, bird watching, whatever they've been doing all their life, that adds to their knowledge base. And then of course, we always look for people who are really good people engaging with the public who are comfortable talking to people because that's so important in what we do. Now, one thing that's really interesting about the Division of Wildlife is, I mean, you guys are a part of the state government. So you've got, explain the the organization here. You've got the Ohio Department of Natural Resources, which is the, the big umbrella 
organization and then you're a division within that, correct? Correct. So ODNR or Ohio Department of Natural Resources is a cabinet level agency. And then there are a number of divisions and there's divisional wildlife. And then the largest division is a division of parks and watercraft. And then we also have divisions for forestry, natural areas and preserves, oil and gas, water, and a few others. So all those different aspects of natural resources are housed within ODNR. And the way you're funded is different than the way that government generally works, right? I mean, my understanding is that most of your budget doesn't come from tax dollars, the way that government is generally run, that this is really Ohio sportsmen and women who, through their activities, are funding. So you're sort of self-funded for all the stuff that you do, right, for the most part? Right. Right. We primarily are. So the license fees that hunters, anglers, that people buy that come into our agency fund the majority of our agency. Um, We also have some specialty license plates. We have donations uh, through the tax checkoff program when you file your income tax checkoff. And then a huge portion of our funding comes from um, what we call federal aid. It's the wildlife and sport fish restoration program. And when people pay, there's a tax, there's an excise tax on firearms and ammunition, as well as fishing equipment and hunting equipment. And that tax is collected by the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. And then it's dedicated back to the states where the people purchased items. And then it's based, the allocation is based on the number of licensed hunters, if it's for the PR dollars, Pittman-Robertson, the number of licensed hunters and the size of our state. So that's why it's really important for people to buy their hunting license or buy their fishing license because we get that allocation back based on the number of license holders. A lot of people don't know that. So it's always a challenge for us to continually educate people and make sure they're informed. But that's a a way for Ohio to get their share of the money back. If we don't have, let's say our number number of license holders goes down, well, then that money can get allocated to other states. And we don't want that to happen, right? We want the money to come back to Ohio that Ohio residents have spent on, you know, these kinds of things for shooting, hunting, and and fishing. So that's the majority of our funding. And then we recently, under this administration, have gotten some capital dollars for some infrastructure improvements. So that's been one of the great things in this DeWine Houston administration is they have been supportive of us um, making capital improvements into some of our areas, um, including shooting ranges. And they recognize that these are wonderful public assets for everybody, you know, not just sportsmen and women, but a lot of general public uses these these, um, facilities. So uh, we're doing some great things with that money. Well, you just made my transition for me. So, uh, you know, most of the people listening to this podcast are, you know, people who own guns and they shoot and take classes and and so on. And uh, one of the interesting things about Division of Wildlife, unlike other parts of government, you actually have as part of your value statement, a support for the Second Amendment. Absolutely, Dean. That's one of our core values. We know that if we can, if people will come learn how to shoot, that we might get them to cross over into hunting. If they never shoot, they're never going to hunt. So we fully embrace shooting. And of course, if we can have some of those people uh, become hunters, that's even better. But um, Our whole agency recognizes that I'd say historically, you know, years ago, some of our shooting ranges were just locations where people were 
dumping things. Uh, they were bringing like hot water tanks and things like that and shooting at them. Right. And so over time they said, Hey, let's start having safe areas where people can shoot before hunting season. They can sight in their firearms. And some of those locations were turned into better shooting ranges. So where we're at right now is we recognize that it's just a great entry into the outdoor recreational pursuits is, is target shooting. And so we are investing in our ranges and we have renovated two um, class A ranges, uh, Spring Valley down in Greene County and Delaware shooting range up here in Delaware County. And if you haven't been to them out there for, for your listeners, I hope you take time to come visit them because they're really nice shooting ranges. And I, for, I'll just profile Delaware. So we used to have just a dirt backstop and about six shooting positions. And we had to seasonally close the range because it would flood. It was next to a creek that would flood on the core property and you'd have to shut it down. So we moved it to higher ground and we put in a shooting line with 90 shooting positions. We also have shotgun. We have Olympic style archery. We have 3D archery, elevated platform for archery. And we also have an education center, um, a building that has restrooms for men and women. It has drinking fountains and it has classroom um, opportunities that we can have an indoor air conditioned classroom setting. So this is so exciting for us because again, it used to just be a little dirt backstop and uh, people may do, but we have um, invested into not only ADA compliant facilities, they're really family friendly and um, we're really seeing the in- increase in the attendance. It's been wonderful. Now, this is, you're talking about Delaware. This is uh, the county that I'm in, and I'm reasonably close to the Delaware shooting range. Uh, I'm I'm really amazed by that. You put a lot of money into it. Some of this was because of lead reclamation. I mean, you you had to grade off the dirt and get the lead out of there. And there, there was just all of this other work that you had to do up there. And it's now Ohio's largest public shooting range. Is that is that still current? Right. That that is current. Um, so yes, we had to clean it up, and that that lead reclamation was was pretty expensive. Uh, several about about four million dollars, and then another four million dollars to build the facility, the restrooms, the pavement, you know, berms, backstops, improved stormwater drainage, all those things that go with building a, a facility. And again, the, these dollars came from people who purchase firearms and ammunition, and those are the dollars. Um, that we're able to use, as well as some of the capital dollars to make these huge improvements. So Spring Valley is very similar in that it's really, really nice. They, so then after working on these two ranges, we've moved on to two other range, ranges, which we call Class B. Class B means that they're generally um, not staffed. And so the two ranges right now that um, we have dirt moving on are Tranquility down in Adams County and Indian Creek in Brown County. And both of those are being renovated. They will have, now they, they aren't as fancy because they're a little more remote. Indian Creek will have electric and a bathroom. Um, Tranquility won't have the electric, but it will have a nicer compostable restroom facility. So, but they will have pavement, um, the new berms, the backstops, asphalt parking lots, um, and be ADA compliant. So we hope to have a lot more people enjoy those facilities as well. I just wanted to to make something clear here uh, in case people don't understand that Division of Wildlife manages all or most of the public shooting ranges in Ohio. So you've mentioned a few. 
How many do you manage? It's, you know, 40 or more or something like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are about 40 around the state, um, different levels of, you know, um, facilities that is available there. Most of them have dirt backstops, you know, a shooting bench or two, a little bit of a parking lot. So they're pretty basic, but we are trying to improve them strategically around the state. So again, we have central Ohio covered with Delaware, Spring Valley at Greene County. The ones in Southern Ohio are Tranquility and Indian Creek. And then we're moving on to Grand River up in Northeast Ohio, Grand River Shooting Range. Um, The planning is underway right now for that to be a class A facility, just like Delaware and uh, Spring Valley. So it'd be really nice. So we did a, what we called a photo tour of both Spring Valley and Delaware. And if you go to the one on Delaware on our website, we have a picture of what it used to be like. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it was, it was pretty rustic. <laughs> and as you mentioned, you know, a lot of these shooting ranges originally were just places where you'd go out and sight in your rifle for hunting and that'd be pretty much it. So modern shooters, the people coming into gun ownership now or getting into hunting and and outdoor stuff, it's uh, a little different than it used to be. It's not all men anymore. It's uh, there's a wider range of firearm activities. Can you talk about that? Because I know that that really played into how these ranges were redesigned. Right. Absolutely. So we researched a lot of the data. We know that um, firearm purchasers, you know, have the demographics have changed. A lot of folks are buying them are females. Um, The ages have changed and those folks want different amenities. So we need to provide amenities that they're going to enjoy and come to the range and stay at the range longer. So that factors into our decision-making as well as we look at a 60 mile radius around a location that we have for a range Obviously, we're working on what we already have. So we already have ranges we need to improve. But we do have a big vacancy in Northwest Ohio where we do not have a big Class A range. So we would like to build one more new Class A range in Northwest Ohio. So there'll be a study going on looking for, you know, 60 mile radius near an urban center. And um, that generally tends to be how far people will go for a day of shooting or afternoon of shooting. So we do look at those numbers and... um, that helps us make those decisions. You know, we also get a lot of customers who come in who just purchased a firearm, who are a beginner. They don't really know how to start. And so we're there to help them. And all of our staff have been trained by, went through NRA certification so that we have certified instructors on the line who are there to help. Um, You can also call ahead and make an appointment and come in and say, hey, you know, I'm coming in at three o'clock. Could I have somebody help me? So we're trying to offer that as well as we continue to increase staff at the ranges. And then some of these other ranges, like I talked about, are still will be, will be small and will not be staffed, but the larger class A ranges will be staffed. Now these upgrades, again, this wasn't just sort of a whim. This was part of a big study that happened. And I know that I'll brag a little bit about BFA. BFA joined with Sportsman's Alliance and there were a lot of other sportsman's organizations that got together. I think it started in 2017 It was called Protect What's Right, and a study came out of that that basically said uh, the shooting ranges, public shooting ranges in Ohio, in order to keep them current, to make them safe and usable, it was going to be around $52 million. And so there was this gigantic need for money over a 10-year period to start all of this work. And can you talk about that? Because, you know, what I thought was really interesting was that there was this synergy between 
the Division of Wildlife, which is a government agency, and all of these sportsmen's groups, BFA, Sportsman's Alliance, many others, to make sure that these ranges were updated so that people would actually have a place to go and shoot. Sure. So again, back to the beginning, I did talk about partnerships. They're so vital to the Division of Wildlife because we do aim to please the folks that we work with um, in conservation and shooters and members of Buckeye Firearms are really important. Um, It's important to listen to their input. And this is, you know, this is a demand, right? People want this service. They want nice places to go to, and they want to be able to take their children, their families, their wives. So we listened to the group of folks and we advocated for, you know, big range improvements. So we didn't want our ranges to be an afterthought. And I think, you know, maybe historically they might've been a little bit because they were just there to provide sighting in your gun before hunting season. But these ranges we saw over time were being used just about year round. I mean, you can find a number of shooters out at the ranges in December. So working with our partners is how we accomplish good things and input from your members is really important to us. And, you know, we have added in these 25 and 50 yard rifle ranges. We have a seven yard handgun range. I know at Tranquility, you know, it's just been a really great partnership. And so, especially now when things are so expensive, you know, you can go to an indoor range at a retail facility and you could very easily spend $20, $30 just to get on the range. And that doesn't include your ammo and your gas and everything else. So let's talk about the shooting range permits. You offer shooting range permits that gets you access to any public shooting range in Ohio for a flat $24. That's that's annual. That's for the whole year. And, and, and it's unlimited, right? You can go as often as you want. Exactly. You can go every day. You can come a couple of times a day if you want to, you know, and again, back to talking about how we get people to the range. And then if we can get them hunting, we came up with an idea called, we call it a combination license or combo. You can actually buy your shooting range permit plus your hunting license for a mere $5 and 12 cents more. So for 29 and 12, $20 and 12 cents, you can buy a hunting license and shooting range permit combination. So it's really a bargain as far as a year long time period of, of doing fun things. And uh, we've seen an increase in those licenses. So it's great. And so now that we have the data on those people, we're trying to, you know, have some targeted marketing and messaging going out to them and telling them about different opportunities near them. So we think this is going to grow. We think we're going to get more people into shooting. I've seen um, team building going on with different companies coming to the range. I think it's the new partnership and bonding moment, you know, activity. I think it's great because we have women's um, events. We have youth events. We have, um, we're creating an ambassador program for people that um, want to come volunteer at the ranges and help. So we'll have a training and then they can, you know, wear certain clothing so they can be identified as an ambassador to help people who are there shooting. We've outfitted our our staff all in bright orange so that they're recognizable and that people know that they're there to help them on the range. And uh, we're just there to welcome people and have a safe, wonderful day at the range. And I just want to emphasize, you'd mentioned some of the upgrades at these ranges. I mean, some of these, like Delaware and Spring Valley, These weren't just little improvements. I mean, it was pretty much a total overhaul. These are amazing ranges. I know uh, Delaware, again, Ohio's largest public shooting range now. 
Um, I, I believe that there were 96 pistol and rifle positions. Everything is paved, so you're not walking around in the mud. There's the the, the restrooms. There's a big building where, where you have classes, multiple archery ranges. I mean, these are really, really nice ranges. They're not your typical rustic kind of uh, a situation. If people have not seen these ranges, they really you really need to go out and take a look. 24 bucks, and you can shoot at these places all year round. I, that's just an astonishing bargain. Well, thanks, Dean. I appreciate that. Um, we built these to last, and we built them to be an important destination that um, people recognize. You know, it's, it's a tourism thing. People recognize that, hey, they're going to come to the range. They're going to eat at restaurants. They're going to travel here. They might spend the night. But we want to make sure that we are supporting folks that like to shoot, people that are strong in the Second Amendment. Um, and I would also want to share with your listeners, we have an app that they can download. It's called Hunt Fish OH. And you download the app, it's free. And you can purchase your shooting range permit or any other permits or licenses you need through that app. And then you also have a QR code on the app that's assigned to you. And when you come to these Class A ranges, you can just scan that QR code. You don't have to stand in line and check in the way we traditionally have done it. You can just scan the QR code and then we know who you are. We know who's at the range. And then we will follow up with some questions that helps us with our lead management program. We need to know how many rounds were shot that day. And so that helps us keep track of those those numbers. So uh, we have a very accurate accounting of of what people have shot and then at what intervals we need to clean the lead out of there. So it's, it's working out really smoothly. So how can people find out where these ranges are? You've mentioned the website. Is there a, a, a short way to get to like a list of ranges or something? Um, so you could, the easiest probably way is, you know, wildohio.gov is our website. And then in the search bar, type up shooting ranges and the list will come up. Um, all the locations of the different shooting ranges and the hours and um, any other seasonal information that they would need to know. And it'll tell you what kind of range it is. In other words, whether it's there are people there managing it or it's unattended or what kind right. of firearms you can use, that sort of thing. Right. The majority of our ranges are unattended. So if you just want to run out to a you know, quick one and, and shoot for a little bit, that that is the majority of our ranges. Again, these staffed ones that are offering programs and have these nice amenities are fewer, but again, we're, we're, we're working on them over time and we plan to have, um, you know, a few more of them online here in the next couple of years. Now, I know that there was a program in addition to all of these public ranges that you're managing and refurbishing, there was uh, an idea to look at some private ranges and partner with them so that people could use their range passes at some of these private ranges, basically to just extend the value that you're getting from the uh, permit. Can you talk about that? And what, what are some of the partner ranges that exist right now? Mm -hmm. The Cardinal Shooting Center is one of the partners we have, uh, particularly because when we had to shut Delaware down while we cleaned the um, soil and before we began building, that was like a two-year shutdown or more. And so we have a partnership with Cardinal that they will accept the shooting range permit to shoot at Cardinal. But we also help fund different conservation clubs around the state and provide some funding for some of their shooting ranges to make sure they're 
in good order. So those aren't, some of them are open to the public. Some of them have certain days open to the public. They all have different, you know, criteria, but we are trying to make sure that Ohio has a variety of good, safe shooting ranges to go to. Now, do you guys have something like a free newsletter? I know you have the Wild Ohio magazine that people can subscribe to, but is there like an email list people can sign up to to get information about events or happenings, classes, that sort of thing? We don't have a current email newsletter. We used to, but they can, you know, again, look through the calendar. They can call us at 1-800-WILDLIFE. And then they certainly can, you know, if they're a member of a conservation organization, uh, we tend to send things out to the different conservation organizations to share information. So that's probably the best way to get a hold of us and to find out some of these details. In addition to upgrading all of these ranges and the sort of things we've been talking about, what else is Division of Wildlife doing for gun owners and sportsmen and women in Ohio coming up in the in the coming years? Sure. So right now we are continuing to try to purchase and acquire land. Primarily, we look for parcels next to our existing wildlife areas so we can span them, make them a little bigger. Um, we also look for other parcels that are appropriate for wildlife habitat and and provide opportunity for people to get onto ground. Um, we also are working on a private partnership called the Ohio Landowner Hunter Access Program. And this is a, a program where we receive some federal funding to pay landowners to allow access for hunting on their property. And in the first year, we signed up over 8,000 acres and over 1,500 hunters took advantage of of that new property. So they could reserve it the day before they were going to be there. And it was one person per 50 acres. So we tried to keep, you know, spread people out and the signup period is ongoing right now until June for the, the next wave of adding more land to this program. So we're working on that. We're also working on restoring habitat, uh, particularly in Northwest Ohio for wetlands. Um, with the governor's H2 Ohio program, we are currently working on over 80 wetland projects in ODNR. Restoring the wetlands cleans the water, reduces the nutrient load that's going into Lake Erie, but it also provides valuable wildlife habitat. So some of these properties are open for hunting, trapping, bird watching, fishing, but um, that's a huge project right now, a huge activity that we're really excited about because building wetlands is something we always like to do. And really, you're just restoring some areas that people have traditionally farmed that have maybe been in low productivity because they're so wet. Um, the Great Black Swamp covered Northwest Ohio, and it just really wants to be a wetland up there. So we're working on that. We continue to raise a number of sport fish in our six state fish hatcheries. We produce over 40 million fish a year and stock into the Ohio waters. So that's always a, a great program to get people out to fish, enjoy Ohio's lakes. We just have so much going on. <laughs> we have a number of restoration programs going on, different surveys. We're looking at sandhill cranes right now, surveying for them. Bald eagles have been doing so well. Uh, we are up to over 800 nests of bald eagles in the state, which is a long way from four nesting pair in 1979. So again, our goal is to have sustainable, healthy wildlife populations. And we try to do that for all of our wildlife. Well, Kendra, thanks for taking time to be on the podcast and tell us about all this. I hope it's not a year before we have you back again. 
if there's anything that you want to talk about, like when these uh, other ranges are, are ready, Tranquility and Indian Creek. Oh, I mean, just what, what's the timeline on those? When do you think that those will be uh, up and running? Uh, they should be open later this summer, and we're hoping to have a ribbon cutting probably sometime in August. So, yeah, that'll be here before we know it. Yep. Oh, that sounds good. Again, Kendra, thanks for being on the podcast. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Dean. That's all for this episode of Keep and Bear Radio. If you enjoyed the podcast, I urge you to subscribe. And please subscribe to the Buckeye Firearms Association newsletter at buckeyefirearms.org. If you'd like to become a member and support the work of BFA, go to joinbfa.org. Use the discount code PODCAST to get $10 off your membership. That's joinbfa.org. We'll see you next time on Keep and Bear Radio.